Hi, we are welcome to the Chris and Gina Talk About Musical podcast, where we still don't have a title. <laughs> when this goes out, hopefully we will. We will have, I hope. Who knows? Who knows? Um, today, we, this week, we've been watching Cabaret. Which we have indeed. A great film, a great musical. Yeah, number five on the AFI top 25 list. Five? Of musicals. Uh, 50 years old this year. Wow. Yeah, 1972, it came out, directed by Bob Fosse. Good old Bob Fosse, and it is very typical Bob Fosse, this film. Like, there couldn't be it a is. more typical Bob Fosse film than Gabourey. I think I've only seen two of his, and the other one we will be seeing because that's all that jazz, which is later in the 70s. And yeah, the imagery in this reminded me of that film a lot. Yeah. So I think I need to see more Bob, Bob Fosse films. Yeah, yeah, they're the only two that I know of and that I've seen, but they are very, when you hear of Bob Fosse and like the jazz and the, the like that style of dancing, yeah. um, it is very typical. Um, I absolutely, this is one of my favourite musicals ever. Like, I absolutely love Cabaret. Who, who have, stars in it? Uh, Liza Minnelli, daughter of Judy Garland, and somebody else Correct. who I can't remember off the top of my head. And Michael my, York. And Michael York, who is um, Brian. And, uh, yeah, it was really funny to see Michael York because Callum is currently obsessed with Austin Powers and Michael York is in that. <laughs> So it was really weird to see him. I was like, oh yeah, you're in this, I forgot. Yeah, I've only seen him in this Logan's running, Austin Powers. It's one, yes. Yeah. And I was watching this like, I want to watch more Michael York films as well. Yeah, he is very good. He's a very good actor. He's really good. So this cabaret is set in Berlin in 1931, which if any history buffs uh, out there know, this was the beginning of the... Um, rise of the Nazi party where I think Hitler was in the Nazi party but he wasn't chancellor yet so I believe so yeah yeah there were uh, yeah sorry sorry dad for forgetting <laughs> basic history knowledge there um but yeah and it was quite it was quite shocking to see how certainly in one of the songs um tomorrow belongs to me how people were so accepting of in 1931 of the Nazi party and that it was just kind yeah. of like this was just another thing that was in that was around then and they didn't think there was anything wrong with it um yeah I, I was gonna bring up that song a little later on because yeah I'm gonna bring it up is, later on that is one of the turning points in the film yeah. but anyway absolutely so we begin the the film begins with um welcome welcome to uh in cabaret is it welcome to cabaret or is it just welcoming very common um i think this is one of the most famous songs from cabaret um yeah I, people, i've been since i've watched it i've been singing that and yeah. so the, the bookends of the, the, the bookends of the film are probably the most famous songs yeah. of the of the film um and it's sung by joel gray it's a solid it's a solid song. It kind oh, of it is. And introduces is, you to everything. He is incredible as well. He's I, for, uh, I forgot how he, incredible he was in this film. He takes on this role so good. Obviously, he, he did it in the stage production, I read. And yeah, he for did, the film, yeah. it, it went for 
German sounding than he was in the stage show. And yeah, I think he's nailed that. He, he really did. He really, he did a really good job of sounding super duper German. <laughs> he did indeed. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just such a good song. It really does set you up for the whole, for the whole premise of the film and you get introduced in it to to Sally and then you see Brian walking through Berlin to get to the boarding house that he's going to be staying at. I think it's a nice um, introduction to both characters of how like Sally is performing in the cabaret. She's got like a a sparkly red, quite revealing dress on. Brian is all stayed up in a suit and he's like Mac and walking along like quite nervously and quite shy and you know, you can kind of get that feeling that these two are definitely poles apart and how how on yeah, earth do they come together? He is a reserved British man. Yeah. Just prim and proper. Very prim knows and how proper. to ca- carry himself, but he doesn't know how to kind of interact with people. Yeah, and Sally is um, a American lady who's lived in Berlin for about, did you say, three months? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it's three months. So she lives in Berlin now and she's performing in the cabaret and she's very, very much of the late 20s, early 30s era of being seen as fast and loose. And, you know, you, you hear it in Chicago and all that jazz yes. and, and cabaret that these sort of women were like flappers, were out doing whatever they wanted. They were they were kind of, um, they were kind of getting rid of that stereotype of them having to stay at home and Yes. cook and clean and have a husband and have kids before they were 25 and everything so like, looking back on last week's film how that was quite reserved yes with them being in the 50s and just trying to break out whereas over in Europe and you always hear Americans describe European films how they're just all out they just don't care and <laughs> it, it just gives that stark stark contrast between yeah. two nations I know you're yeah. not in I know, but it's like that sort of Paris, Italy and, and France have always kind of been like the, the hedonistic places to be in. And yeah. Germany in the thir- in the early 30s was like um really cultural. It was really popular for people to try and find their way in life and who didn't want to particularly go to France or Italy and have a truly hedonistic lifestyle, but it was a jazz era. So and Berlin was certainly a huge part of the jazz history in the jazz age. Um, I just wanted to bring up, I didn't really, and I kind of forgot this when I was watching it again, because it's been a while, but I kind of forgot her whole relationship with her dad and how weird that was, I think. Yeah, I've I've only seen this once in the past. And like I think I said on the last one, that I didn't really get it as much. I'd, when I watched it this week, I really loved it. I really got involved in it. So, yeah, I wasn't aware of that relationship with her, her dad as well. It was kind of, it was a it was a weird one to, to see. And, like, the themes of cabaret are all quite taboo. Yeah. Um. So we've got things like, um, I've made a note somewhere, like you've got your prolific sex, you're drinking, you've got, obviously, Nazis. <laughs> and, uh, you've oh, got, yeah, you need you need them. You need them for a taboo film. And you've got obviously um a sex before marriage and outside of marriage and you've got abortions and things like that. And in the 30s, it was completely illegal to have an abortion anywhere in 
Europe yeah. and, and America. So that was kind of, wow, they've really, they've got away with that. And they've, yeah. you know, they've put that in for a reason. Well, I just, yeah, I really liked it. And I, I think I said yesterday that I couldn't believe how much in A Star Is Born, Judy looked like Liza. But in this, Liza looks very little like Judy. Like yeah, there were I, there were points where I was like, oh no, yeah. I can see that's her mum. But there was often I was like, you would not you would not notice that Liza and Judy were related. That's exactly what I thought. I thought how last week it was a spitting image of Liza Manelli, but in this one, whether she's just a bit younger than I don't know how old she is when she does this, but I imagine she's in her twenties. Yeah, I think she is. And is it- I would say Judy Garland was probably 30s in A Star Is Born. 939 yeah. was Wizard of Oz in 20 years. Like, yeah, maybe around the same age. Maybe. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it is really weird. Um, so when you've, we've had, um, obviously, welcome to Phil Common and we, we, they meet each other at the boarding house. Yeah. And you can see a stark, the stark differences between the two characters and how that you are just kind yeah, of like, it's... oh my God, what's going to happen here? <laughs> it's it's where we're introduced to them both, but both of them are well lived. Like even before the film, you could imagine what they were doing before this film. Yeah. How Sally's just fast and loose and just wants to be a big star. And Michael York, Brian, is a probably hiding himself quite a bit as well and just out there to earn a living he becomes a tutor doesn't he to german yes um to german citizens he becomes an english tutor and then he randomly starts translating and proofreading uh, pornographic novels (laughs) for another border which is something you've done so yeah. something I'm used to so I was quite <laughs> quite nice to see that in the film and then um so tell me a bit about what the what your favorite kind of film was and like before we delve into the more of the songs what was your favorite situation uh, that happened I don't know the the portion scene was pretty horrific. Like I watched uh, Godfather Part Two recently and listened to a podcast, and that was seventy four. And I think they said abortion had just become legal in the like the last five years. So Diane Keaton mentioning abortion in that film was very, very off the now. But when you think this was two years ago and she just screaming the word. I imagine 50 years ago, listening to that, it must have been absolutely crazy to hear. Yeah. But I, I kind of don't... No, I understand why she did it, but was she doing it for selfish reasons or was she doing it because she couldn't see a future with Brian and she didn't want to be have this kid that may or may not be Brian's? Kind of bit of both with the added extra of you know, if you like, because it wasn't lifestyle. out of spite. No, I don't know if it was because that was a lifestyle she wanted. Um, you know, she wanted to be a star, and having a child would hold her back, maybe. 
um, yeah. whether it was she didn't know who the dad was so whether it she was it was just easier rather than holding Michael to yeah. something that he didn't want to do whether Michael wanted to get married to her you know that all that as well yeah. um, and I think as well there was kind of bit of an autobiographical autobiographical situation of it where she was born into an acting family and her mum left her for like really long periods away from from like when she was acting and then obviously yeah. through the drug use and stuff maybe it was a bit like I want to add this in to show that you know there is another there is an option you don't have to do yeah. you don't have to do what my parents did and I, I don't yeah. I don't know she does that mention bit. people dying of drug overdoses and things like that in the film which would have been very difficult to perform in our I don't know. Yeah, because it was it was only three years prior after yeah. her, her mum died. So it was, yeah, definitely something that just goes to show what a professional she is, I suppose. Um I think the the choreography throughout Cabaret, even just the videography of it, like where people are in each scene and how they react to each other, like the dancing is just phenomenal. Bob Fosse just does a fantastic job throughout this film yeah. of like making sure that people are where they should be and getting like so many people in together on that small stage and showing how good it could be and yeah that, that's what it was back no, then it's it is incredible and the way it's shot the way it's directed it's just a masterpiece because even some of the films where it is on the stage the camera seems like it's in the second row it doesn't feel like it's all the way yeah. the row. so moving around all that as well must have been yeah, hats off to them because yeah, the, it looked looked incredible because it was a, a small club as well. It wasn't like a, yeah. a massive venue. So the yeah, camera shots are incredible. Awesome. And I noticed that when Maximilian, who comes in pretty much a third of the way through the film, yeah. and he, st- he stays for most of it. So he's the second person that Sally falls in love with and they have like a mini menage a trois, as it were. Um, when they're in the in the bar and they're having a conversation it's each person like there's they're never in the same shot together it's always like Sally then Michael then then I think was his name the guy who plays him so it's kind of like they kind of switch between each character and I really liked that because it was kind of like you've got the reaction straight away rather than seeing it on the corner of the screen that you probably wouldn't have paid attention to Um, and I just really liked like it is really typical of Bob Fosse films. I think it's in all that jazz as well, where they get really up close into people's faces when they were laughing yes. in the club and getting like really close to people. And that must have been quite unnerving for the actors and extras to be having yeah, a camera, it's, right? It's a, I think in the 60s and 70s, it just all changed cinema. It just uh, more personal rather than these big studio pictures. It became more about character driven and what's their motive, what's what's happening here. Because the story born last week, it was a simple narrative. Yeah. Whereas this is more complex, more layers on top of each other, and you get a a sense of what every character is doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um I also thought it really interesting how they did what song was it? Was it Till not Till the Girls, where the guy, where the owner of the club or somebody from the club was getting beaten up by the Nazis? Oh. Uh, 
camera song was. It it might be Tiller Girls, but um, maybe the other one. It was just an instrumental song, but yeah, yeah, I think it um, probably is Tiller Girls. But the shots between Joel Gray and the girls dancing, and then obviously the and like the happiness and the the frivolity of it, and then the violence of a man on the ground being punched and kicked by (laughs) by by Nazis. That was something that happened a lot in the in like films of that era, musical like not musicals but films of that time, because yeah. it was like a stark contrast of light yeah, and dark. Yeah, and... the real and the gritty of it all, and not just yeah. the smiling faces and laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found it really weird that you didn't see what happened to him after. Like nobody mentioned him. <laughs> nobody mentioned him again. Yeah, it, it was just a, a loose thread. I imagine he's in hospital. Easy to say, and job running the he's club. Probably dead, but <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I think the the cut scene, like that cut scene type of style, is something that we don't see very often now. And I don't. No, I wonder a, why. There is a lot of like one cut scenes in this, where it just flashes of different action going on and. It's a little disjarring, but it tells you what everything, what everyone's doing at that one moment. It's yeah. good. It's it's really good. Oh, I just want. I've just mess. I've just noticed a note on my on my pad that brings it back to tomorrow belongs to me, um, which I mentioned earlier, and that's like the turning point of the film, kind of where you think, oh something's going to go wrong here and like there's going to be an issue and I just I put terrible lip syncing throughout tomorrow belongs to me like the, I, the, I boy, the boy singing does not have yeah. that voice there's there's a girl of about 15 with a really old alto voice she's not got no she's probably <laughs> and I just thought you've obviously needed to have a choir to record yeah. this and that's fine but please can you find people who kind of match the voice <laughs> come on come on Fawcett what, what they did they had all the Nazi costumes like who wants to be one and everyone said no and like, don't blame me but someone has to be an actor one has come to on. be and a young up and coming actor who probably never got work again <laughs> I know probably not just decided uh, to be to be the Nazi in the in the show yeah the uh, close-ups in that song were just blew me away how all these young kids were saying tomorrow belongs to us and then shots of the older people in the crowd and not standing up and recognizing it's just they're like yeah this is what Germany is going to become uh tomorrow is just not going to be great for us but yeah. for all these yeah. young whippersnappers and easily led people it's got to be yeah I got that that like the older people were kind of staying away from it and we're just kind of like nope we're not yeah we're not getting this is dangerous this is going to be dangerous for people yeah and how it was outside where all the other music has been in the cabaret club the kick-out club this is just out in the open loud and proud this is who we are this is what we stand for and this is what's going to happen i think it's yeah it just blew me away it's a really, it was a really good moment of the film where you kind of, you did just think, oh, 
this is this is what happened in the 1930s and this is how kids were recruited into like the Hitler youth of, of like yeah. 1937 and 8 um up to the up to the mid 40s and I just yeah it kind of that was a really bold move for them to put in the film because it was only this was 1972 the war had been over for like 20 20 years or whatever but Rashon had only stopped Mm. certainly in America in like the late 50s early 60s so like it was still talked yeah. about um, and I think it is really brave. I mean, Sound of Music as well, shout out, another fantastic musical that also loves, loves mentioning the Nazis. <laughs> so yeah, I think it was really brave of films of that time to hark back to, the, to an era that most people were probably trying to forget quite quickly and move on from and recover yeah. from. Um, so then we go on to... Um, Mine Hair, which is in the Kit Kat Club. Yeah. Um, where I think I've put this as one of the most famous songs because this is the song that I knew before I even watched Cabaret. I knew Mine Hair first. Um, and I, I, I love this. I love the choreography. I love the song. I love everything about it. I think it is one of my favourites. Um, Liza Minnelli with her, her, her black cat and black tuxedo leotard on and it is just a classic I think that for me is classic Bob Fosse like that sort of a black chair dancing you know the the top hat and the, the tails kind of thing and the, the stockings yeah. and stuff like that and I think that it's an iconic it is an iconic song that that is the image of the film as well on the posters yeah, yeah so. with her with her bowler hat um and yeah. um, were uh, you a uh, any point during the film where you're watching it thinking, was Bob Fosse watching A Clockwork Orange? Because it, with the bowler hat and the eyelashes, I was just uh, like, I, I can't see Fosse. <laughs> I was just <laughs> watching that, I was like, no, uh, clearly that's not the inspiration for this film, but that's all I could see. I have been. Who knows? I, I don't know how old Cabaret is, like being on the stage. I don't think it was out for much for very long before the film was made right i think it did a i think it did a hamilton right <laughs> so i remember um yeah i think they and like most stage musicals where they think they can make a, a film out of it they're on stage for about four or five years and then it's like let's make a musical out of it yeah. especially if joel gray did the compare in the stage show and the musical, it must only have been a couple of years in between it being done. Yeah. If it was the original. I imagine so. Um, but yeah, Mine Hair, great song. I think yeah, that's... Loved it. And then you have um, a, a song where it's kind of a little life-changing song. And this is where I found the relationship with Sally's um, dad quite weird because... They have a conversation. Obviously, her dad's let her down again um, and said that she's not allowed to go on a trip with him or he, he's, he's cutting her off or whatever. And she's kind of just like, oh, he does this occasionally, but it's okay because he'll come back. And and Brian doesn't really want to have anything 
sexually relationship wise with her he's just like no it's not for me and then she sings maybe this time which I first heard in Glee before I watched Cabaret um, for the first time so that was sung by another West End powerhouse Kristen Chenoweth um I love Kristen um and yeah so in Cabaret I think it's got two meanings like she's thinking you could think it's about Brian and you know maybe this time he'll he'll realize that I'm that I can help him and make it this work and we can do this and it's also about her dad where it's like he'll stay he'll he'll come back one day and he'll realize that you know I'm worthy of his his love and affection and it's quite it's quite a sad throughout the whole film you get a lot of laughter and joy out of this film but maybe this time is quite just a bit personal it's kind of like oh poor Sally <laughs> kind of like her in ambitions as well yeah maybe like going for auditions or doing like that maybe this time I can I can get it maybe this time this will be it this is my break and everyone will just love me absolutely I that's the main takeaway from Sally she just wants to be loved yeah yeah, definitely. And I think it's really, I think that song really affirms that, that that's just what she wants. And it's really important for her to be loved and be wanted and, you know, to be a star. That's all she wants. She just wants people to adore her and yeah. work at the Kit Kat Club. Yes, yeah, she's adored and feted, but it comes at a price. And, you know, it's not a very nice price either. Um, no, it's very emotional very emotional um and then I think Maximilian comes in at this point does he or is that after uh, money money maybe after money money so or just before oh yeah so Maximilian is the other person in the relationship he's a rich in I want to say English but he does have a German name but didn't they all back then um so he's an English baron who is very wealthy and I can't know how they met because I think I've blanked it out, but he arrives and Sally falls quickly. Uh, the, of... the meet in the laundrette. Yes, he does. Yeah, he helps her with her, her German, doesn't he? Yes. Um, so yeah, they meet in the laundrette. She invites him, I assume, back to to her boarding house for a drink to say thank you and um yeah and it's a it's a really funny I think it's a really funny relationship them three have I think it's it's you know that obviously they're all sleeping with each other but it's also quite nice that it's quite it's still quite innocent it still feels like a little innocent there's an innocence to that relationship as well that is it's a nice budding kind of they're all friends but they are all sleeping together and I think the film tells a story really well we see Maximilian from Sally's eyes for like the first half of the time he's in the film and then the last half we see him through Brian's eyes yeah like it doesn't it just doesn't blatantly say oh this is what happening but we're gonna make you think it's all Sally's doing yeah. but it's not it's Brian's doing as well 
I agree. Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking of it, to be honest. Um, because, yeah, they are, like, Brian is bisexual in the film. Um, do, you, do you think he is? He does say that he's sleeping with Max and he sleeps with no, Sammy. I, I mean, do you think he's bisexual and not homosexual? Yeah, I think he is bisexual. Right. Because I don't know when we first see Sally make a move, it just seemed like I didn't want to do it. And whether he just wore her down or she just wore him down and he just gave in and then learned to love it. Yeah, because he does say that he'd had, he'd been intimate with three women and then they, Sally and him have sex and he go, they both go, well, oh, it's the wrong three women. He, but, he tried to be intimate with three women. Yeah. And then, so yeah, he could be that it's just a front and Sally's just worn him down. But I do think that he is, he is genuinely bisexual. Um, so yeah, they have a, they have a relationship and you can see, to be fair, I do think he's bisexual because he gets really jealous of yes, Maximilian. Um, and you can see that when um, Max and Sally are dancing in one scene and he becomes, he gets really drunk and then yeah. you can see him like prowling around the edges of the, the room, kind of like looking at them and, and then he gets involved and you think something's going to happen and then he's, he's poorly and he becomes really drunk um and then we hear we hear money money in the midst of all this and I think that is a that is a powerhouse of a song it is a banger money money with Liza and Joel just make that a song what it is I I don't think I could watch Cabaret on stage and not be like, oh, I wish it was Liza and Joel. <laughs> it's the comedic timing between the both of them as well. It's not just yeah. them singing. It's the whole stage of it. It is. It's their presence in the whole song yeah. throughout it, definitely. I imagine people do it well, but... I'm sure they do. When it's been immortalised on film, it's hard to see past. Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, we we hear that, and that's kind of where we get the idea that you know Max is going to help support Sally, if not Sally and Brian. And I just want to underline in all of this. There's the theme of their friend, who is is he Brian's friend or is he, he meets Brian? He's a uh, Brian's uh, Brian's issue. Tutor, yeah. So Brian is student, and then um, he falls in love with another one of Brian's students, but well, she doesn't. At the at first, he didn't fall in love because he wanted to get her for her money. Yeah, and then he falls in love. Yeah, and then he realizes, and there's an, a nice underlying because you never see after that first initial meeting where it's the four of them in the room doing the the lesson you never yes. really see the four of them again until right at the end when it's yeah. the when they when it's the wedding um so yeah it's that was quite a, a weird secondary storyline because you kind of see them and meet them and it's like okay they're students blah 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 and then every so often they'll just flip back in with a little bit extra yeah. you're like what what's this got to do with anything 
<laughs> yeah, I, I see that. Like when she tells Sally to come over, it it just seems like a plot point in the film saying, "Well, we can't have this side plot because they need to be involved somehow." So I think Sally was shoehorned into that. I, again, not seen the play, but. I imagine it doesn't play well on stage because it does take you out of it a bit because you want to see the relationship with Brian and Sally. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they they have like he they fall well he falls in love with with her, but she says no because he's he says it's of a different religion. He says he's Protestant. She's Jewish. Um, and she's very rich, and she's like. It's not because of the money. It's not because I don't think you love me. It's just because of the religion thing. And then, you know, he goes to Brian and says, no, my papers are wrong. I'm Jewish and I love her. And Brian's like, what are you stood here for then? <laughs> Go and find her, <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was, it's, there's another point just before that where obviously she gets, um, the pavement outside scrawled with with Juden, which is Jew and German, yeah. and they kill her dog, which I think yeah. a bit much. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's even though that was 31, so a long time before like um Crystal Nacked and where Jewish people were massively persecuted. Yeah. Um it's still weird that it happened and I'd never really heard of it happening pre yeah, Hitler being I'm... Chancellor. Just, well, I believe that to be true, but I don't know. I don't. I Is can't it just see, heightened for? Uh, yeah, I can't story? see them. I can't see them saying this. This happened, and it was a a thing because I do think Jews are have been marginalised for thousands of years, um, and I do I do believe that it did happen. I don't know if it was to that extent, like I don't want to say. Yeah. And because this is based on a true story, you don't, right. I don't know if that side plot is based on a true story, but the story of Sally is based on somebody famous who was real. Um, so I did that, but I found that really sad. That was a really sad point for me where I was just kind of like, oh God, even back in 31 when we thought Germany was yeah. okay, this it's was a- still still going on. The whole film changes after tomorrow belongs to me. Just turns into a, a weird old this is the way that the world is going. <laughs> this is yeah. this is where it starts to go wrong. Basically starts as a cult and then just grows. Yeah. A lot of political things start, isn't it? Um yeah. so then we have another we have another funny moment, which again is another one that I love with two ladies. I just, I want to see more of Joel Grey. Like, I'm just going to try and find loads of things with him because I just love him. Um, so that was really funny. That's very slapstick style. Very, yeah. very typical of cabaret in that era of um, just trying to make people laugh and try yeah. and forget what was going on outside and, you know, very um, raucous and what's the word I'm looking for? Rude. Crass, yes. kind of just like we're just going to yeah. throw everything at you and, and pay to be here. <laughs> also, kind of juxtapose the actual story, but instead of two ladies, it's yeah, two, it two, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that's a good song. Um, 
I'm sorry, mm-hmm. all the songs marry up with the film. With the plot point. Exceptionally. Yeah. Yeah, so we have we have Joel doing his fantastic German accent <laughs> in Two Ladies. And, you know, the, just the choreography and that is incredible with yeah. the, the dancing and yeah. the sheet work in the middle. Just totally slapstick. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then we have a bit of time after Two Ladies, when I think Tomorrow Belongs to Me comes in. Then you have quite a while without any songs because it is just all plot point. It is just all about the storyline. Yeah. And then we hear, obviously, that Sally is think she's pregnant, which she shouts out in the library. Can't don't, shout, don't shout in the libraries, goodness sake. Even Liza Manelli shouldn't be shouting in the library. Um, so yeah, we have that and we have the whole, what's she going to do? Maximilian disappears. Um, yeah, had he gone to Africa? Or they were planning to go to Africa. Yeah, he was planning to go to Africa, but he went but, somewhere else. Yes. Can't went now. But they find out, he sends a letter. Um, they find out because he sends a letter, but it's when Brian has been badly beaten by yes. some Nazis yeah. that he shouts at in the street. Um, again, another situation where you don't see what it's it's alluded to what's going yeah. to happen and then you see the after effects of it um which i thought is something that cabaret does quite well you see that quite a bit in cabaret where something's alluded to it never never quite see what happens yeah and then all of a sudden it's, it's like oh yeah that's the ending of that bit it's a uh, just showing i forgot what's going on. no i've not forgot you can edit all this uh it's, we keep it in because it's funny. <laughs> it doesn't shift focus. It doesn't show it from the Nazis' perspective. Otherwise, the audience might be there like, oh, I know what they're doing. Yeah. It just leaves it all in your mind to know what happened. We don't need to give airtime to these bad people. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and then you see him in bed with his eye closed and his yeah. wrist in a bandage. Yeah. and. Is laid and up lip. and his lip all busted out. <laughs> um, and yeah, and Liza and Sally is looking after him. I don't think she's doing a very good job, bless her. Um, <laughs> she's she's not she's not somebody I'd want as a nurse, let me put it that way. Um no. <laughs> and that's when they that's when she tells about the letter that Max has gone. And then we do have a bit of sadness throughout the rest of it because it is about what they're gonna do and you know, it is just about them two now. Um, they go on a nice little picnic and he's really he's really sad. And you kind of like, does he want does he want to get married? Is he tying himself? And that's where I think probably the question of whether he's homosexual rather than bisexual probably comes back into it. Yeah. Like, does he want to get married to Sally? Yeah. The reason be would you rather be with Max and is regretting not being there to have escaped yeah. to Africa with them. Um, because, yeah, there is a big argument, isn't there? Uh, just before yeah. Max leaves, where they say, where he's like, I'm screw you. And she's like, go and screw Max. She's like, well, I am. And he's like, well, it's not me too. I am as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's quite, 
and then she has she comes home after a night out when I think you say if you could see her yes she's out all night and then you find out that she's had the abortion that's if you could see her which again is a very very funny song but was about a, a Jew and it's like perpetuating that stereotype that yeah. you know they, they look horrible they're ugly and they look horrible and she had a nose ring and like the monkey had a nose ring and all this and it was it's one of them where you're like I know it's funny because it's of the time and I should yeah. think of it of the time but also there was a bit of like oh I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> spoiler alert that's probably my best song my favorite song of it all because song. it it is it's just a great song and then that twist at the end to be like oh no it's not because she's a gorilla with a nose ring because she's Jewish yeah and it, it did it just like hit me hard like Oh, yeah, I know. I, yeah. I shouldn't be judging this person just because that's how they look. And that's when um, the two side characters, Fräulein uh, Landau, and I can't remember his name, they he runs to her house and he's like, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. And then it cuts and they're in a in the synagogue getting married yeah. Sally and Brian are there supporting them and um, yeah I really like I really like that that again is another point where it's like he's knocking on the door and he's waking everybody up and he just shouts yeah. I'm a Jew I'm a Jew and then you don't see it the, you don't see even him going in the house you don't see anything yeah. it's just that and then it's boom wedding you're like that's, okay that's nice <laughs> what, what it shows as well is how everyone in the film has been played and out. Well, not everyone, Fraulein yeah. wasn't, but those three and Matt were all playing an act. Yeah. And this is the point where he's like, right, I'm going to show my true self now. Whereas I don't think Sally and Brian ever do. I don't think they ever are their true selves no. throughout the whole film. I think they're always behind, there's always a wall that they're hiding behind and there's always yeah. something that they're, they're trying to forget about um and then we have um we have cabaret where she does her her, inter- her interview for her her big stage performance and that's where we have the title song cabaret which she does so well she's yeah. just phenomenal in this song I think she showcases she showcases her talent ridiculously well in cabaret. Yeah, that's why she's an Oscar winner. <laughs> she's an Oscar winner. Oh, God love her. And sorry, Joel Grey. He wasn't supporting actor for this. Yes. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, go Joel Grey. I love him. <laughs> um, yeah, so we hear cabaret. Um, I've just put a classic song that needs to be said about it. It just is a classic. Is. Everyone knows it. And you can tell that she's she's still putting on that act. She's not, you know, she's not entirely. There's something behind the eyes that isn't showcased to the world. No, and like I say, we never see a true self. And going forward, she may never be a true self. It's not like the characters had a change of heart. She's always 
point on this front, always pretending and just trying to go with the flow, but not yeah. let anything get a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have Joel Gray in the finale, which is like a minute and a half long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just basically closing the club down for the night kind of thing. And um, yeah, I think for me, it's just one of them films that is, like we said, A Star Is Born, kind of dealt with things that were ahead of its time. Yes. I think I think Cabaret is very similar in the fact that it does deal with sexuality and prolific sex and drug addiction and abortion and things and Nazism um, in the 70s. And there are things in there that probably still don't get fully talked about today, like 40 years later. So I think it's... It's another one where it's kind of like, how did they get away with this? How did Bob Fosse and the producers? Because there was <laughs> there was a point in it where, because I love the producers as well, um, yeah. the musical film, um, and there was a point in the cabaret where I was like, oh yeah, I remember this bit. Like this is similar to the producers. Like they've obviously taken an element of that, like about yeah, the Nazis. Yeah. They've obviously taken that from there. And um, yeah, I think any film that does it well, like Cabaret, definitely Oscar worthy. It's an Oscar winner. It is. It was nominated for 10, won eight. Wow. The only two it lost were writing and best picture to Godfather. So to be fair, it's a good film. <laughs> it is. I watched it in the cinema re- recently. Good film. But yeah, um, so what are we thinking of Cabaret? I really, really enjoyed it. It's, uh, yeah, as you say, it's just got everything, really. It's, it doesn't shy away from heavy subjects. It, it juxtaposes the light and the dark. It's wonderful performances, choreography, spectacular, beautifully shot, beautifully, beautifully directed. Obviously, is is a master at doing I mean, a classic it like this. Can't be anything but a five out of five. It'd be a five out of five, hasn't it? There's nothing what's really. Your, what's your favourite song then? Um, I think probably maybe this time. Right, it's good. It is a good song, and I think that for me is a turning point in the in the film where you kind of. Although we never see Sally's true self, you do kind of see her walls come down a bit in maybe this time. Yeah. And you kind of realise that she is just a young girl trying to find her way in life. And, you know, she is, she just wants to be loved and wanted and, you know, she's not a winner. So nobody wanted her. And it's just like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really, I think that's my favourite. Good, good. Which one's your favourite? If you could see her. Yeah, if you could see her, just because it's, I, th- I think it is all because of that twist at the end of it. It's a great song, and then that hits you. It's like, well done. It's yeah. basically never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I, I think it does really well with the the subject matter that it's got. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Well, do you, we have... uh, 
want to pull up the number generator. Oh, should I do a number generator? Let's do a yeah, number generator. Now. So we've done number five and we've done number seven. Okay, so if, and it's 12, 25. I mean, to be fair, if five comes out, you'll want to watch Cabaret. I want, I'll watch Cabaret again, I'm not bothered. <laughs> um, 22. 22? Oh, what a film. It's Beauty and the Beast. Get it. Um, I've got a Disney the, Plus. I don't, <laughs> the, uh, I don't need to download with this. Yes, Beauty and the Beast. The, the is it the cart? The art? The, the art? Yeah. I don't know what art it is. The animated the version. 1991 Disney film. Ah, oh, when we were, what, three? Yep, we were three. Oh, nice. I mean... I could easily stay on this call and just do the Beauty and the Beast straight away, but no. Honest, so could I, because <laughs> I watch it quite often. <laughs> and um, I have the soundtrack on my Spotify. Don't even need I, mean, to, I don't even need or, to watch it. I could probably say it word for word. <laughs> or already singing all the songs in my head. Yeah. Bell, Gaston. Yeah. I think, anyway, isn't, I digress. <laughs> isn't Beauty and the Beast the film that we discussed? When we were at the High Performance Podcast, shout out to the High Performance Podcast, um, when we discussed what the best musical song was, and we both yeah. said be our guest, and that's how we decided that we were doing this podcast. It's, <laughs> it's one of them. It's a I banger. Mean, it's just banger after banger, but we'll watch it. We'll watch, watch it. We'll do it properly. We'll do it properly. Yeah. And here's an outro because we haven't got an outro. Bye bye. I haven't got an outro, but bye now. I'll just.